Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. And we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And I am delighted to be back here. We hope one and all had a very nice weekend. Um, Take a moment here. Obviously, we weren't on the air yesterday on Memorial Day to just express our endless and everlasting gratitude and appreciation to all of those who have served our country, all of those who are serving our country today, and all of those families who have made any number of sacrifices, including the ultimate one in the interest of the freedom of this nation. I'm a second-generation American myself. My four grandparents all immigrated to this country with a dream that I would be able to live whatever life I choose to, and that is exactly what I'm doing. And the overwhelming reason I'm able to do that is because of the freedom and the security that all of those people I just mentioned provide. So with our everlasting thanks on Memorial Day and every day. Um, It is also very nice to be back here. I know I've been traveling like crazy a lot lately. I'm sorry that I have not been here as much. We all knew this was coming. Like when they put me on the NBA, we knew this was going to be the one little moment in time that I just was going to have to miss a lot of shows. And and we will be back and we will have everything up and running, um, you know, as soon as we can. And, And it's been fun and I'm delighted that I'm here for a couple of days now. And able to jump in here. So let, let's dive in on some picks. We went through my top five takeaways from the NBA as we stand right now, 48 hours away from the tip-off of the finals. But what we did not get was anybody's prediction. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. So we have the Warriors at minus 160. They are the favorites to win the NBA championship. You can make a few bucks if you bet on the Celtics, but it's pretty close. They are plus 140. The line on game one is Warriors minus three and a half, and the over-under is 210 and a half points. Those are some of the numbers. Let's get some hashtag crew picks. Let me start with the uh, hashtag Hembo here. Forgetting game one, who do you like in these NBA finals and in how many? I'm going to say the Warriors in seven. I think it's going to be a practically a coin flip uh, series. The reason I give the Warriors the edge is in part because they have this huge rest advantage, which I think gives them a huge edge in game one, in which, parenthetically, Steve Kerr is 21-2, and two, which is astonishing. But I think, that, I think the Warriors will win game one, and that will go a long way, of course. Not to mention Boston's really bad in close games. I don't think there's any chance we're going to see the series approximate what the last one did, really, for either team. We're talking about close games. I think it's a coin flip series, and I think that gives the edge to the Warriors, who have so much muscle memory of winning those kinds of games in games like these. I'll say Warriors in seven. Okay, I like that. Uh, Let me go to hashtag Bubba. Bubba, you, of course, are, and for those who don't know, Bubba has a long and storied history now in radio production and is well known for that. But Bubba was a basketball scout, an NBA scout, Uh, going back into the you know into the sixties at Dick McGuire and players like that that obviously you found and and right. um, and and that was part, a huge part of your legacy in the sport so no one knows this better than you who do you like in the finals I'm gonna go Warriors in in six I think uh, just with their their experience I think every way you look at you got to kind of give them the edge Kerr over Udoka give him the edge. 
the experience, give them the edge. And, I mean, what well, you mentioned in the green list, I, I completely agree. The way Boston just kind of keeps trying to give the way a game is very, very concerning, and the Warriors are going to completely capitalize that if they do that again. And so I, I think – and all year we've pretty much been talking about – Hey, just don't let the Warriors get hot. Watch out for the Warriors once they get to the playoffs. Clay's going to round into form. Warriors are the team to beat. And here they are in the finals. I think it's just going to be the end of the season. They're going to make it. Why are you laughing like that, Hemba? What is funny? Because I I went to Dick McGuire's (laughs) basketball reference page after you randomly cited him there. He was my father's favorite player. He has some some curious nicknames. (laughs) Oh, that I didn't know. He was my father's favorite player. I believe he was Al McGuire of of Marquette and legendary announcer fame's brother. Yes, uh, Al McGuire's brother and the nephew to Ali McGuire. But yes, Dick McGuire had some curious nicknames that I won't say on the air. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, one way or the other. Let me bring in, uh, before there was a hashtag crew, this man had a hashtag, and that is the one and only hashtag Liam. Liam, who do you like in in this uh, NBA Finals? Warriors and six. Just because they got those three guys, but they got too many other weapons. Warriors and six. Okay, and and I have to tell you, so I feel perfectly comfortable flip-flopping on picks here. I said on TV at some point during the Eastern Conference Finals, I forget when it was, that I thought the Celtics were going to win the championship. I think I said it to Pat Bev. I can't remember who I said it to. But I'm changing my mind, and I will tell you why. And, and I feel perfectly comfortable doing this because I just want to tell you a quick story about Jalen. This is how much I love that man. I've, I've gotten to spend so much time with Jalen over the last few weeks. You know, we've been on the road together. He is the he, he, Jalen literally may be the nicest person in the entire world. Um, anyone who's ever seen him in any of these arenas knows that you walk up to him. He's friendly to everybody, takes pictures. He's the mayor of planet Earth. But anyway, on Sunday, <laughs> on Sunday, they pick us up at the hotel to take us over to the arena. And in the car, I say to him, so who's going to win tonight? And he says to me, I got the heat. I said, oh, okay. We get over there. We're about to go on the air. He turns to me right before the segment. We're like in the commercial break before we're all going to make our picks. He goes, Greeny, I'm changing my mind. I'm going to go Celtics. I said, okay, no problem. He's going to go Celtics. I'm informing the producers. Uh, guys, Jalen's changing his pick. We go Celtics. We get on the air. We go through the picks. Stephen A. makes his pick. Michael makes his pick. I go to Jalen. Jalen goes, I'm changing my mind again. I've got the heat oh winning the God. championship. Oh, my God. He changed his mind three times in a two-hour stretch of time. But that's how difficult these things are to project. <laughs> so I tell you that story so that you understand that I feel fully comfortable changing my projection. I cannot watch what I have watched in the Eastern Conference Finals, and say the Celtics are going to win any close games against this team. They're awful on the offensive side of the floor. Awful. And if you're resting your hat exclusively on shutting down the Splash Brothers and company in late, close situations, it's not going to happen. So you have to be – they have to have – I mean, even a 10-point lead with two minutes left does not feel safe. They look discombobulated, nervous, and just a mess on the offensive side late in close games. My honest opinion, I actually think the Warriors are going to win faster than that. Mm. I think I would not be at all surprised if Golden State wins this series in five. I would not be the least bit surprised because you don't blow them out. Golden State's not getting blown out. You blow out Miami because Miami was hurt and tired. And by the time, if they go down 20 points in the second quarter of a game, they call off the dogs. They're like, all right, we'll come back and try and win the next one. Golden State doesn't do that. They are rested, and they're ready, and they're healthy, and they're going to come back from 20-point deficits. Every game is going to be close. I, I like Golden State, and the more I've watched the Celtics, the more I like Golden State. Let me ask you a question, though, because I just said I think the Warriors have a big advantage because of the rest. 
But how much of an advantage do you give the Celtics that they've played the road that they have? I mean, the, the Bucks and the Heat played them like it was the NBA Finals. Yeah. Do you think that means anything at all? No. And, and the reason is because this team knows it. I mean, for an inexperienced group, maybe. But does Steph Curry need to know what championship atmosphere feels like? No. Steph Curry played in Game 7 against LeBron. I mean, all the most legendary games in recent NBA memory involve Golden State. It's basically been Golden State against LeBron. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the NBA Finals, the, the apex of NBA basketball in this generation has been LeBron James and the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, Steph leading the way, but that group. So I don't think any of that will... I don't, think, I don't think any step up in intensity is going to impact them at all. I would have been much more impressed with Boston if they had taken care of business Friday night. Mm. Much more. I mean, you don't let that game go. You don't lose that game. I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm surprised that they managed to hold on in Game 7, which they did by the skin of their teeth, because Jimmy Butler, that shot doesn't go in. There's no way that Boston goes down and scores in the final 15 seconds. There was a much better chance that if, if that shot by Miami goes in, there was a much better chance that Miami wins by six than there was the Celtics win at all. You mentioned something there that I want to just hit on briefly, and it was the idea that LeBron and the Warriors have defined this era. Sure. Well, if you think about the different eras in basketball, you think about Bill Russell and the Celtics, of course, Kareem yeah. Abdul-Jabbar, uh, in between Michael Jordan. Those are the, like, if you were to do your Mount Rushmore, it's usually those three for most people. Well, you've left out Magic and Larry. I mean, Magic and Larry are an era. Sure. But, Kareem was a part of that. What I'm talking about is generally when you do basketball's Mount Rushmore, most commonly... Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Michael Jordan are on it. Each of those pl- players, though, their teams defined the eras. Are we comfortable saying that LeBron is the defining player of this era, but the Warriors are the defining team? And if so, does that have any inconsistency historically? Well, the inconsistency is that he kept changing teams. And, and I know that Jabbar changed teams at one point in there. And, and he won a title in Milwaukee, but we don't remember Kareem Abdul-Jabbar bec- as a buck. No. Um, what, how are we going to remember LeBron? As a Cav, I think, Right. For, yeah, for 2016. But he won, he won more <laughs> championships as a Heat than he did anywhere else. Right. He and won two there mm-hmm. and one in L.A. and one in, Cle- in, so, in Cleveland. So that sort of makes the water more murky in, in this case is what you're saying. You know, when we brought up dynasties on the show the other night, Stephen A. wasn't hearing it. The Warriors are not a dynasty. Michael Wilbon was not hearing it. The Warriors are not a dynasty. Jalen was trying to argue that LeBron is a dynasty, hmm. that like he is a dynasty unto himself. What do you make the finals? Eight consecutive years? Eight straight years. So, like, he was trying to make that argument, and it's ob- yeah, obviously that takes it into such a different place. I understand what you're saying, but do you disagree with my thesis? Not really. I mean, LeBron is the defining player of this generation, and there's nothing Steph can do that changes that, in my opinion. Fair enough, because a couple of weeks ago on Get Up, though, Kendrick Perkins was arguing that if the Warriors win the title this year, that Steph would replace LeBron on that you know, quote-unquote Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I don't I agree with, with that. that at all. But no. what I'm saying is, you know, Steph is the best player on the defining team, LeBron is the defining player. Historically, that's not how we've necessarily done it, but it's just a curious... To me, the Matt Rushmore has one vacant spot, which is to say Michael Jordan is the best player that ever lived, Bill Russell is the greatest winner that ever lived, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the most uh, accomplished Mm. player that ever lived. Those three spots, to me, are done. And then the fourth spot is the one you want to argue Magic, you want to argue LeBron... I, I, there were others I would put ahead of Steph anyway, so I mean I, I wouldn't even consider him in that spot. Will Chamberlain? But thinking about a Mount Rushmore, wouldn't you want to properly represent basketball's eras? I mean, you don't want Michael Jordan to be the most recent player on that list. Does well, yeah, that matter? I, mean, to you? I don't know. I, you know, we, we don't have. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a, of a more. 
I'm trying to think of a recent example that will make everyone yell at me. We, <laughs> we, we don't have JFK on Mount Rushmore. True. Right? Like, they chisel that into a mountain. It, 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 they're not updating it. They're not updating it. <laughs> you know it. what I mean? Like, I mean, the Mount Rushmore is Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So, no. I, I mean, if you want to put LeBron on there, I'm fine with it. You want to put Magic on there, I'm fine with it. But not, there's no chance Steph Curry winds up on it. This is, this is where I'm I, going. I can't say there's no chance he winds up on it. If he wins three more championships and is the MVP, I mean, he's not done. So he could get there. There's no chance he gets there in the next two weeks, Okay, if that's what you're asking me. No, no way. All right, coming up, let me first remind you that we have ESPN's daily podcast. It's called the ESPN Daily Podcast. Brings you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. It's presented by Supercuts. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Up next, I'm going to explain to you exactly what Tom Cruise has in common with Jimmy Connors and Reggie Miller. That's next. My name's Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning? Noise-canceling headphones? Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash greenie all lowercase go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash greenie shopping for mother's day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute but macy's gift finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for mother's day whether you're shopping for your sister's first mother's day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement macy's gift finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both you can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under you can also sort by category like fragrance handbags and more or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma find top brands like studio pro model beats headphones polaroid cameras and samsung smart tvs so what are you waiting for mother's day is may 12th it'll be here before you know it macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year head to macy's.com slash gift finder today that's macy's.com slash gift finder Oh, yeah. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. That's a good choice of rejoin music from my main man, Bubba, because this, to the surprise of Hembo, because he doesn't know anything, uh, is a song that became very famous because it was the theme song of the movie Top Gun. And yesterday I saw the sequel. So let me give you a quick rundown on what's been going on here. I flew back from Miami early yesterday morning from uh, Game 7. And got back to the city, and I'm still not feeling 100%. I had a, 
I got sick during the finals or during the Eastern Conference, which you may have known, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Still not feeling great. I get home yesterday. It's super hot in New York. I mean, it was a hot day. Stacey and I went for a little walk with the dog. Not a nice day to be outside. So we have not gone to a movie, gone to the theater and seen a movie since before COVID started. And I, I, I don't see a lot of movies generally, but I like the movie Top Gun, the original movie Top Gun. And so we went to see the sequel. And parenthetically, because that's not the point of this story, it's very good. If you like that, I can't picture anyone not liking this movie. I mean, it's, you know, it's not breaking any new ground. It's a lot of the same formula that made the first one good, but it's a very good movie. It was a an excellent way to spend two and a half hours on a very hot day yesterday. So I'm delighted with it. I enjoyed the movie. But the observation that I made, because we're walking home and we're talking about Tom Cruise and his career, and, you know, this is a guy who's been famous since I was a kid. There are not too many people that are still every bit as relevant as they've ever been and were in my childhood. Like, Tom Cruise is older than I am. Um, it, it, the first movie I remember him from was the movie Risky Business, and I was a kid when that movie came out. And and so he's been that kind of famous. I mean, he and even Hembo, you know what that is, this, the famous scene where he slides into the shot and he's dancing in his underwear and they're playing dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, whatever. Who am I talking to? He, he, he's been very famous for a very long time, and no one but Hembo doesn't know that. And... There's not too many people that were that level of famous in the mid-1980s and remain that way. It's just not a commonplace thing. I mean, you know, Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, it's a small list of people. And what's interesting about it, I made this observation. I've always used Jimmy Connors and Reggie Miller in this context. So I grew up a tennis player and a big tennis fan. And in the 70s, Jimmy Connors was one of the top players in the world, and I hated him. He was a very polarizing player. And a polarizing personality. Either you loved him or you hated him. I always hated Connors. I rooted against him and everything. And then there was a year, many years later, you can look it up, that he made a very surprising and unexpected run all the way to the semifinals of the U.S. Open. This was late in his career and by tennis standards, life. I want to say it was in his late 30s. And he made a run all the way to the U.S. Open final. And it was a very big and unexpected deal. And what I found to my surprise was that I started rooting for him like crazy. A guy that I'd always rooted against, but I found myself rooting for him like crazy. Fast forward, about two generations go by. I grew up as a fan of the New York Knicks, and then I covered the Chicago Bulls. One of the many things those two teams had in common is that their antagonist was Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller of the Pacers was the enemy of both of those teams and both of those fan bases. And so Reggie Miller, it just became a thing. I don't, didn't know him personally. I do know him a little now, and I like him a lot. But he was a guy I always rooted against. Because his big games were always either against the Knicks or the Bulls, and I always rooted against him. And then you might recall late in his career, I think we knew it was, was going to be his last year, the Pacers made a run, a somewhat unexpected run. And I found myself, to my surprise, rooting for him. And I put those two together in my mind at the time, and I realized... There's something about sports that brings you back. Everything was better when we were younger. Everything, and I don't just mean sports. Everything in life was better when we were younger, if only because we were younger and thus we had more time. And that's what I found myself thinking with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was never someone I particularly cared for. I admire him. He's an excellent actor. I don't know him at all, let me be clear. Um, 
I think he's a good actor, and he's been in a lot of movies I liked. But he was never someone that I particularly... I always thought he seemed like sort of an odd guy. For whatever reason, if this was a sports character, he would have not been someone I ever rooted for. And yet going to see this movie yesterday and then reading about it and seeing that this is being hailed as now the movie that's bringing back the American box office. Like I ver- They're making a very, very, very big deal in this day and age where everyone just sits home and watches movies on Netflix of the fact <clears throat> that a trillion people went out to the theaters this weekend to see this movie. And I found myself really happy for Tom Cruise. Hmm. Now, again, Tom Cruise is probably a billionaire, and if he's not, he's probably damn close, and he's been ridiculously famous and beloved. This is not a person for whom anyone ever needed to feel sorry, and yet I found myself feeling good for him. And I think there's a similar, there's a, a, a thread of commonality between the fact that, to my surprise, I'm rooting for Jimmy Connors, and then to my surprise, I'm rooting for Reggie Miller, and now, to my surprise, I'm reading about this movie after I got home from watching it yesterday, and I'm thinking, good for him. Boy, I'm so happy for Tom Cruise that after all these years, he still got it. And he came out and he made this big movie and all of that. And I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense to you or not if you're a very young person. But if you're my age, I would imagine you get it. That there's just something about sticking around long enough that makes you appealing, even if you weren't in your youth. And I think a lot of that is inwardly driven rather than outwardly driven, which is to say... The fact that I rooted for Jimmy Connors and rooted for Reggie Miller and I'm now rooting for Tom Cruise has a lot more to do with me than it does with them. It has to do with there being an actual connection, an actual touchstone to the person I was then. When I watched Reggie Miller play, suddenly it was all those guys were gone and Michael was gone and Ewing was gone and all those guys had retired, but there was Reggie still out there doing it. That one little piece of that era of my life that had been so good. And Jimmy Connors, they were all, Borg was gone, and McEnroe was gone, and Vilas was gone, and Chrissy and Martino, they had all retired. But there was Jimmy, still doing it, just like he was when I was a little kid. And so while watching him, in some way, I was a little kid again. And so maybe there's something about seeing this with Tom Cruise, that the person I was, I don't know what year that movie came out, 85, 86, something like that? 83. 83. It's 1983, I'm 15 years old. I don't feel 15 years old very often anymore. I haven't been 15 years old in a very long time. But there was something about that movie yesterday that if only for two and a half hours, I was 15 again. And I think that's what this is about. So I just felt like something worth sharing. I had this conversation with Stace last night and I said, I made a note to myself. I said, I'm going to talk about that on the radio show tomorrow because I bet you it is something that people my age will appreciate and can understand. Now, Hembo, you're a lot younger than I am, so that and, and, and you don't know anything about popular culture. Those things don't mean anything to you, but sports obviously do. Right. So are there do you ever find yourself like a player who's been around a long time that maybe you have traditionally rooted against late in their career, do you find yourself rooting for them? I found myself rooting for Sergio Garcia at the twenty seventeen Masters when he won it. When he won it. Mm-hmm. And that stunned me because I considered him one of the most unlikable figures in sports for the longest time. And having like watched him, him frankly, choke so many times and struggle so many times and me sort of root for that to happen, it's sort of a weird juxtaposition when he's, you know, he's, it, was that, it was that playoff against Justin Rose and he yeah. wound up winning. And like, I found myself rooting for him like crazy. And I couldn't believe that, but that's what sports does to you. Yeah, that part of it I get. And I, I, there was something to, in that, 
this guy who would never doing it, getting that monkey off his back and all the rest of that. But I understand it. Bubba, that ever happened to you? And obviously you've been around forever and seen and done everything. You ever have a similar experience to this? Uh, I can't think of a... Well, I mean, I... I used to hate A-Rod a lot more when I was younger, but I do like him now. I like him a lot more now, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny, but he's not playing, so it's kind of a little bit of a different vein. But, I mean, now I, I, do, I kind of like feel like I root for him. I think you find him far more enjoyable now where I used to have much more disdain for him back in the day when he was a player. But now I find him enjoyable, personable, you know, kind of root for him. So I guess in that sense, he would be the person I would think that of. That seems fair. Liam's is probably a soccer player I don't know. Liam, do you have anything like that? Yeah, it's CR7's it's Ronaldo. Oh, it's Ronaldo. Yeah, so you know him. Okay, so that's someone I know. Well, that's a perfect example. I'm guessing. I don't understand a lot about the exactly where fans are in in all of this, but I know that Ronaldo is he's he's bigger than Connors or uh, Reggie everywhere. He's he's Jordan in that sport, and I'm sure there are people that hated him. And now that he's up in years, I'm sure there are people that find themselves rooting for him. That's actually a perfect example. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District of Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. This was the song, the the theme track, Hembo, to Jer- or to... Tom Cruise becoming a legend. The the dance he did to this song in the movie Risky Business was sort of what first made him a huge movie star. And and he's great. He's great. Anyway, we just talked at him or talked at length about him a moment ago. And I want to get on to a few other things here. Um, But but I've got some nice reaction. Alan Hahn, you said, sent a nice note about that conversation. Yes, Alan Alan Hahn, co-host of Barton Hahn, he texted me. (laughs) First of all, he's like, I don't have Greeny's number, so tell him this. Well, why does Hahn not have my number? Should I I just say it on the air so he has it? I, I would not suggest doing that, but he said, I totally got it. That's what watching Star Wars does for me, even all the spinoffs. I go back to being seven years old again. Tell him thank you for that topic. So why does Han not have my phone number? Do I have Alan Han's phone number? Let's see what I got. Well, I gave him your number uh, without asking you, so I assume that's okay. Why would you assume that? Because he didn't have your number. Maybe you were shielding Alan Do you not think that it is possible that 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 was not an accident, that that him not having my number was something that was done on purpose? I don't know what kind of background the two of you have. Like There could could be any number of things. Han is a good-looking specimen. So if you don't know what kind of background, why would you just give him the number? That, that, that's what I'm saying. If he, if someone calls you and says, I don't have Greeny's number, you just automatically give them the number? Or are you making an assumption based on what you perceive my relationship to be with Han? I was just taking a guess that you wouldn't care <laughs> that much if I pass yeah. along your digits. To be clear, I like Alan Han a lot. I, he, he is a very, specimen. He is a... He's a 
He told me his wife found it funny when I said this the first time. He's better looking than you realize. Much. You know, yeah, he's, he's, he's a big athletic dude. He commands the room. He does. <laughs> he can still dunk also, by the way. Yeah, which is remarkable. And just even the word still. I mean, you know, I could, a, yeah, not only can I not dunk now, but I could never dunk before. So you can't <laughs> say, I still, can dunk. I still can't dunk. I couldn't <laughs> dunk then, and I can't dunk now. The Nature Valley has helped restore access to 10,000 miles of national park trails and counting because everyone deserves to experience what's out there, like your kids, their kids, and even their kids' kids. So head over to your local park trail to see for yourself Nature Valley life happens out there. I like that very much. That's the first I'm hearing of that, and I uh, endorse that program 100%. Okay, now we got to get to the next order of business. So earlier on the program, we talked about airline etiquette. I had two things happen to me during my travels that were noteworthy. The first of which I put on Twitter. We didn't talk about it here because it's not a topic for the radio, but there was this very, very pretty dog that was seated in front of me in first class on a flight one day last week. I've forgotten which flight it was. And at one moment, the dog was sitting in the seat. Like, it sort of sat up in the seat. It was actually a, um, a therapy dog, like, a, you know, like... An a, emotional support an animal. An emotional support animal. But at one point, the, the person connected to this dog went to the bathroom, and the dog was just sort of sitting there looking very much like it was his seat. And I thought that was kind of interesting, so I took a picture of it. I posted it. Did he have to pay for the seat for the dog? Well, that's what everyone immediately seemed to assume, okay. was that this, is, this was the dog's seat. <clears throat> and I don't think it was, although I never did see a person in that seat. There was a person attached to that dog, but I, don't, I never saw the person sitting in that seat. Well, let's say that person was sitting next to you, and he also had a dog with him. Wouldn't you be upset? No, we'd have, have had a problem the then. Space? Well, yeah, there, well, we would have had no space. Right. No, that dog, that was that dog's seat. It had to be. Yeah. And, and so I posted that. I'm on Twitter, at ESPN Greeny. You should be following, because funny things happen to me all the time, and I'm frequently seeking advice. But that wasn't one of them, because I just thought that was a good picture, and I wanted to just put it up there on Twitter. The other one, or one of the other two, we talked about already this morning, and that was Sunday morning. It's like 9 a.m. I'm on a flight from Boston to Kennedy. This is a... It's a I think the pilot actually said, we're going to be in the air 38 minutes, something like that. And the guy sits down next to me and orders a Jack and Coke. And I just thought that was somewhat remarkable. And it got almost 17,000 likes. But what, why are you looking at your phone now? Because we got a tweet from a listener by the name of Chris Lawrence, who tweeted at the show and said, how does Greeny not know what a Jack and Coke looks like? He describes it as if it could have more ingredients than just those two. No, I knew what color it would be. What I meant by I didn't know what it would look like is I didn't know what shape or manner of glass it would come in. Like, you thought there was a chance that it would come in a martini glass, a Jack and Coke. Okay, but so there's two like- different ways. I'm not sure I, know, I have the right terminology here, but if you order, like, a scotch, it's going to come in a short, fat glass. Is that called a tumbler? I'm no. not 100% sure. That's what, not called a tumbler. What, what, what? If you order a scotch, it's going to come in a shorter, fatter glass. If you order, like, a vodka and soda, which is my usual order, it's going to come in a longer, thinner glass. Right. That's what I'm saying. I didn't know if the Jack and Coke was going to be short and squat or long and narrow. Are they actually giving you those different glasses on an airplane, though? I I don't know. I just feel like they're just giving you in whatever cup they have and be like, here you go. I've never ordered a Jack and Coke anywhere, much less an airplane. What did his look like? His looked like a little short squat glass. It was was glass. Yes. Not plastic. I think it was glass. I didn't didn't ask if I could touch it, (laughs) but I think it was glass. Did your water come in glass or did it come in plastic? 
or foam? They, they brought me a bottle. They brought me a little bottle of water, which okay. I was delighted by. Gotcha. So I don't know. One way or another, that begat a lengthy conversation, <laughs> first on my Twitter and now here on this program today, about whether or not all rules are off, meaning no rules apply when it comes to flying and alcohol. Because that's what everyone was saying. I was like, <clears throat> if you sat down in a coffee shop for breakfast at 8.30 on a Sunday morning and you're at, a, you know, you're at the counter, so you have someone literally seated right next to you who is a stranger, and you ordered, you know, I'll have a ham and cheese omelet and a cup of coffee, and the guy next to you says, I'll have a Jack and Coke, I have to think everyone would react to that. But on, somehow on an airplane, these rules don't apply, right? Don't apply. I disagree. See, I do too, but that's what everyone was saying. Anyway, that was an earlier conversation. Now we're having a different conversation because another thing happened. And I, this confused me, and I need help. So this is flying down Saturday. So, so the Celtics win, excuse me, if the Celtics had won Friday night, I was going to have the weekend off. I would have really enjoyed that. Celtics lose. We off to fly back down to Florida Saturday. You seemed cranky when we were texting. I wasn't ecstatic about not having the three-day weekend off, which I otherwise would have had. But it was what it was. In, in retrospect, yeah, it worked out great. We got a game seven. It was excellent. All's well. But anyway, I'm on the plane. And I'm seated. I want you to picture the scenario. I'm in the window. And there's a guy next to me in the aisle. There's only two seats in our, on our side. There's no third person. So it's just me and this guy. Now, this guy, my perception of him was that he's sort of an older person. The unfortunate reality is he probably wasn't much older than me. But, you know, my own ridiculous un- lack of understanding of how old I actually am. Let, let, I don't mean to imply the guy was in his 80s. This guy was, you know, probably in his early 60s. Big guy, your size, how big was the guy? Yeah, like my size. Okay. It's like a normal-sized person all right. <coughs> seated next to me. And he has got all of the accoutrements of someone who was going to sleep on this plane. He's got a pillow, an actual pillow. He's got an eye mask. This is also a morning flight, I add, but whatever. <laughs> He's got, he, this man is going to sleep on this plane. He's got like the sound-canceling earphones or whatever they are. So this guy's going to sleep. I will admit, because I was going to work on the plane. I knew I wasn't sleeping. There was a moment when we were first seated that I thought to say to the guy, do you want to switch seats? I'll sit on the aisle, and you can sit on the window. You'll be a little bit less bothered. Why didn't you? I just didn't do it. I just didn't. I, didn't, I thought of doing it, but I didn't do it. Now we take off. He goes to sleep. We're about a half hour into a three-hour flight, and nature is knocking on my door. Mm. Greeny has to pee. And I'm, this guy's out. Like, I'm talking about out. He is sleeping. He's got the eye mask. He's got all this stuff. So I'm thinking, I really don't want to disturb him. I'm going to see if maybe this will kind of go away on its own. <laughs> That's not how it works, bro. Oh, I got you. But, you know, every once in a while, like, it comes on and then, it, you know, you just, oh, maybe I'll be all right. Because I, I felt for the guy. But no, sure enough, 10, 15 minutes later, there's no question. I'm getting up. I tell you that part of the story because I want it known that I, I, I tried to make an effort for him. But now I have no choice. I have two options. One, I can try and, like, acrobatic fashion... Like I'm a, like a gymnast, try and like get that one leg over him and the other leg over him kind of thing. 
or I can wake him up. Now, there is no more sheepish waking up that you ever do in life than when you're waking up the sleeping guy next to you on the plane, right? So I am, my tap is apologetic. I'm tapping him on the shoulder apologetically. Sir, um, excuse me. And he's not reacting. Like, this dude is out. (laughs) I mean, so we get to a point now where I almost got to kind of shake him. I got to give him like a real, hey, buddy, I got to get up. And let me tell you, he reacted in a way that put me off. He was very offended that I woke him up. And he was mean, nasty, and angry about it for the remainder of the flight. Now, I do not want to give anyone the misimpression. mistaken impression we've all seen a lot of terrible violent things happen on airplanes this was nothing like that this was more like middle-aged jewish man anger (laughs) he was very passive aggressive he was kind of glaring at me and he was just kind of mad you speak this language i know i i wrote this language (laughs) i am the, the the language it is known as a greenie dictionary this language So now I'm put off by this guy because I want to look at him and say, well, what exactly did you want me to do? Should I pee on myself sitting here in this seat because you didn't get enough sleep last night? It's 11 o'clock in the morning, pal. We're flying to Florida. We're not flying over. We're not going to Australia. We're going to get there soon. So whatever. Now, of course, because we are both like middle-aged Jewish men, not a word, not a cross word was expressed. (laughs) And yet, I can assure you, we both felt it. We both sensed it. So my question then to Bubba is, what is the etiquette on the sleeping guy? Because Himbo actually said there's a third option. And the option is, I call over the flight Mm -hmm. attendant and I make her wake him up. Then that way he doesn't take out his vitriol on me. He takes it out on her. But that did not occur to me in the moment. I ask you. I mean, I've never even heard of that option. Bubba, did I do anything wrong in this interaction? No, I mean, certainly not. If if you are going to fall asleep and basically not be aware and coherent of what's going on, you have to be prepared for someone next to you to go to the bathroom or get up for any reason. That's what happens if you're going to do that. So, I mean, I, I think you – I don't know, you know, what you're, how limber you were feeling. You could have maybe tried to step <laughs> over him and give that a try. But, no, if that wasn't going to work, I, you got to wake him up. What else are you going to do? This is what I'm saying. And for him to be upset about it is insane. Insane. Because there's, there's literally nothing else – I mean, I'm sure he's been woken up many times if he's a, a you know, a airplane sleeper. It makes no sense. That's the guy. That's what he is. He's a sleeper. That we, we've all been next to the airplane sleeper, mm. like the person who's taking the sleeping too seriously on the airplane. Now, <clears throat> on a red eye is different. The red eye, you got to make your plan ahead of time. The red eye, though, that person, well, no, I guess in the red eye in that seat, that person was still going to be sitting up. Like sometimes on a red eye, if you're fortunate, you're on a plane where the seats can go flat. And now you're sleeping like an actual sleep, like you're actually in a bed, and that's easy to step over. Well, I feel like it goes back to what you said originally, even though, I mean, it would have been nice if you thought about and and did actually ask to switch. But if this guy knew he wanted to sleep, why didn't he take the window to begin with? He could have asked to switch. Yeah, or just, I mean, could he have picked that? I mean, originally back in when he, whenever he booked it originally, like I personally like to go to the window and I like, that's where I will just go. 
So I, I like to go there, and I think that makes the most sense. The aisle sleeper. The aisle sleeper is a problematic person. Yeah, you, you can't just fall asleep, especially if there's one or two people next to you, and then get mad if you're going to get woken up. I'll be honest. If you want to sleep, sleep on the window. I'm on team other Jewish guy here. I'm on the, I'm on his I'm on his side what? for two reasons. For what are you two talking reasons. About? Why? One, three hours is too short a flight for you to need to use the bathroom no, half hour is. in. That's ridiculous. You're not that old. I'm, I'm, I'm older than you think I am. What's your second concern? No. N- well, I what does never it matter how, how far in it is? I have He's never met anyone at some point. who is better at making your problems other people's problems. <laughs> that needed to be on, on the uh, flight attendant to wake him up, not you. Okay. Uh, fair enough. I could have done it. I got to read. I got to get in here. But I, I would. this is something with which I could use your assistance on Twitter at ESPN Greenie. Thanks for listening to Greenie the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greenie on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.